Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Dave here and Darren over there. We are going to be talking your Minnesota Vikings on Two Old Bloggers, your pregame show. This one we titled Vikings versus the Giants, the Great Whiteout. And we are here to discuss, as usual, three themes. The first one being last words. Darren wants to talk a little bit about that historic comeback victory last Saturday. Get his two cents in. We'll talk about it, what went right, what went wrong, and have fun with that. Then we're going to hit uh, our quick segment called Quick Hitters, where we have three topics going. We've got one on K.J. Osborne, one on Justin Jefferson, and another on the special teams. Followed by our third theme of the day, which is an in-depth look at those Vikings versus the Giants tomorrow at U.S. Bank Stadium. So buckle up, put the cookies and milk out, because here we come. Climb in the pocket, Dave Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. Skull, everybody. It's Dave here, Darren over there. We're in the holiday mood. Time for some football talk. But first, how's Santa up there in the Great White North? He's loving it, Dave. It's like minus 40 Celsius here. Man, in northern Alberta, went down to drove down yesterday, took an 11-hour drive to see the in-laws. Uh, so uh, tomorrow, everybody's going to get drunk and argue with each other. <laughs> I like the drunk part, the, the arguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, friendly, friendly arguing. Anyway, but skull and ho, ho, ho. Oh. Dave, you're looking very, you're looking very uh, Saint Nick there. I love it. Yeah. Hey, somebody's got to do it. I usually put on this hat at least once a year. Started back with uh, Good Morning Gallahorn, and uh, it's to share in the tides of the season because it is a wonderful, wonderful time. And I'm getting my favorite producer needs purple on. Uh, not tonight there, buddy, not tonight. And let's step off into what we're going to talk about today, the game, the whiteout. And it is whiteout clear across a whole chunk of the U.S. and obviously Canada. Those that were hoping for a white Christmas, a bunch of people got it. Hope you enjoy it. And we'll go from there. Tyler's putting up that his show got 9.9 thousand views on Monday. That's a great job, Tyler. Absolutely fantastic. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I would love to get that many on this one. And so we go from there, we go into theme one. Mary likes me dressed up like this. And so I know I. my grandkids would too. Here we're going to talk about the greatest comeback in the history. Yeah, uh, didn't get to do a show last week because uh, we normally go on Saturdays and uh, we had the 11 o'clock game and Friday didn't really work. But uh, I, so I did do, I know this is kind of old news for people, but I, I just couldn't do the show without talking a little bit about it. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, the greatest comeback in, in NFL history, baby. And, and just talking about that game a little bit. And first off was, I, you know, hats off. To have to give hats off to Kevin O'Connell, the, the Vikings coaching staff, the Vikings players for sticking with it in that game. Uh, I don't know if other people were like me, but uh, when the Vikings went three and out in the second half to start the second half, I stopped watching. I just said, I can't watch this abomination of a game anymore. Uh, I watched a little bit of it online and I, I did see that they got it to 36-21 and then I was kind of like, well... They got a chance. There's still a four, four, pretty much the whole fourth quarter left. Uh, but, you know, anyway, I I didn't go back to watching it, and I screwed up. Uh, I missed NFL history. 
Um, you know, bad on me, but Darren's not bad to the naughty list. <laughs> yes, yeah, but not bad on Kevin O'Connell again, and, and the whole team again for sticking it out uh, when everything went completely wrong in the first half. That could have went wrong. Uh, they stuck with it, uh, and and you know for them, you know, kudos to them for coming up with both an offensive and a defensive game plan that allowed them to score 39 points in the second half in overtime after scoring zero in the first half. So a lot of changes made there, better plays. You know, uh, so give, give the, the staff credit for that. And also the defensive side of things where, uh, you know, they only gave up the three points in the second half in total. Uh, and, and that, you know, that's something that has to be commended because, uh, just about most they never gave up they never looked you know, i didn't really even see a whole lot of bod, bad body language during the first half david and not really really noticeable uh they didn't look panicked at all they kept with their game plan and and uh, and they rolled with it and good things happened and you know that kind of resolve we've seen that from the vikings all year long uh so it's nothing new but in this case this is a special win in a lot of ways because uh, again you know when as a team you're they're going to face more adversity the rest of the season in the playoffs and now they've got this game and a few others but this game in particular uh they can look back if they when they face adversity again in that playoff game things aren't looking so great they can look back and you know draw on that bank of resolve and say look guys you know, remember a few weeks ago, it was 33 to nothing. It can't, this was, that was the worst situation a football team could possibly be in. And we, we won that game. So stick with it. Good things can happen. We can't, we can't give up. Don't give up. We won't give up. And maybe we can turn things around. I think that's a huge thing for any team to have, to actually believe that you can win, even when you're down by multiple touchdowns and that hurt, like you say, that, that, that is big. So I think that that's an important thing that the Vikings did once again. Um, so kudos to that. On the other hand, um, it's still winning that game raised concerns to me as a fan about what we can do in the playoffs because to me if if you're you're not you're an 11 win team or 10 win team you're at home you're you win you get in the playoffs you you uh you clinch the division title um those are huge motivating factors Mm -hmm. and so and you're playing against a four and eight team that has trouble scoring points right uh that's that's a game that i would expect a 10 win team now an 11 win team from the get-go, they take control of the game. They they get up early. They choke the life out of a, a bad Colts team, and they end up winning thirty-nine to seventeen with the Colts scoring a couple of garbage time touchdowns right. in the game. You don't you don't you, it shouldn't have been a 39-36 overtime win in that case. So that's something that um, concerns me. But I, and I and I think that uh, I'm sure that like, I'm really hoping that Kevin O'Connell and the coaching staff and the players, after the 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 euphoric haze of that historic comeback was over, that they realized that that was an unacceptable performance in the first half for a 10-win team to have, and they cannot do that again because they're going to be when you face the 49ers or the Cowboys or the Eagles in the playoffs. Uh, there will be no historic 33 uh, comeback from 33 no. to zero. There will just be a loss and a, and a and an early playoff exit, and we don't want that. Uh, and it's a, an offense that has Adam Thielen, that has Justin Jefferson, that has Kirk Cousins, that has Dalvin Cook, that has T.J. Hawkinson. They should not go uh, scoreless in the first half ever. Uh, they, and they weren't even, and they were the, I think the biggest problem in this game, a lot of people talking about the defense and Ed Donatel got to remember. And I think most people do that, uh, that, you know, the offense is the one that couldn't, uh, didn't run any more than four plays in the first half of that game. They couldn't convert on a fourth and inches, uh, deep in their territory. There was a pick six. Um, and 
and and and, and, and then so there's that that is uh, that is stuff that cannot happen with the talent that we have and then the special teams was just as bad uh block punt uh ryan uh, the, the botched fake field goal the bad throw by ryan Wright, giving up the 48 yard kickoff return the very first kickoff giving a poor colts offense a short field to work with to get them into the game and rolling like that's those two things the defense you know, you know, they weren't great in the first half, but they were, I think, the least of our problems. Um, so, just well, that first half, one touchdown drive, yeah, and a whole lot of bad field position. They held the Colts to only three on a whole slew of drives, and mm-hmm. and that in itself is something because they did not allow them to score when the Colts were starting off in Vikings territory. Vikings territory, Vikings territory. And it's like, come on, guys, you're giving them, you know, you're putting them behind eight ball early. And they did an admirable job then. They got even better in the second half. But you are 100% correct. With these weapons, and then add K.J. Osborne onto it, there's no excuse for this offense not to fire on all cylinders for the majority of the game. And... Get some points. Maybe this week is the week that we see that. We'll have to wait and find out tomorrow. For a team that's, Dave, for a team that's now eighth in the league in points scored, uh, Mm -hmm. that sounds like a pretty good offense. And the Vikings do have a pretty good offense at times. But we just see too many, and we've said this over and over and over, and I don't know what the solution is, but we just have seen too many dry spells and long, long dry spells for, for the Vikings offense uh, again, where, where it just seems unfathomable that a team that has Justin Jefferson and these other guys that we mentioned can go have those long dry spells and look so ineffective for large stretches of the game. And hey, again, you do that against the 49ers, you do that against the Eagles, you do that against the Cowboys, and uh, it's going to be a long and sad day for you. And those are the teams that we're going to be facing in the playoffs at some point in time. Uh, I don't but again, belief, resolve, uh, and like Drew was talking, Drew Bunning was talking about, can this build momentum? And hopefully, they take what happened last week and channel it tomorrow against the Giants into something that we all want to see, which is a, a multiple score win for a change. It would be nice. It would be very, very nice. Um, and up there is Kevin O'Connell. He's the man that can get it done. Hopefully he does, because uh, Indeed. we need it. Well, that brings us to the end of the first segment, where we usually talk about Lewis and his badass wood art. It's still for sale. I doubt you're going to get anything before Christmas at this point in time, considering it's Sunday. Maybe <laughs> if you try and contact him and find out where to get a skull sign or something, you might be lucky. But as always, you can get your first piece using the CT Pocket code and get 20% off. He makes some great stuff. And he now does. on from Kevin O'Connell to... Oops, I didn't want to do that. Theme two. Got to get the music And here we go. We're going to start off with, speaking of which, K.J. Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) Yeah, our quick hitter uh, segment here, Dave, maybe not so quick hitting this week, but uh, uh, this is where I apologize to K.J. Osbourne because our last show, uh, I had a segment where I, I talked about Evening Davey, uh, Davey Janes, um, where I talked about uh, it was a time for the Vikings to look at giving Jalen Rager some of uh, K.J. Osborne's snaps. And uh, I don't think K.J. Osborne listens to our show. Uh, it'd be nice if he did. Uh, but uh, he answered uh, that query by me quite emphatically last week <laughs> against the Colts. Just a um, little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, Ten catches, 157 yards, one touchdown, uh, and I don't. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the Vikings probably don't win that game if KJ Osborne doesn't play like he did in that game. He was uh, the where, spark. 
yeah, he was the spark and I love to see it. Uh, eight of his 10 catches were for first downs. On a lot of those catches, he broke multiple tackles and got a lot of yards after the catch, which uh, like sped up the plays and, 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 you know, led to bigger chunk plays than what he would have got just if he'd been tackled initially and it's been a it was nice to see because as we talked about before it's been a pretty tough year for kg osborne he's after last year's promising season he's been pretty much an afterthought on this offense uh, that's running through uh, justin jefferson not getting a lot of balls thrown to him some games only one or two targets uh and when he has been thrown to he hasn't looked particularly open on on a lot of those targets uh so really for him to have this game and it's the first time he's had a hundred yard game in his career the, his previous best as a viking was 91 yards last year so he well eclipsed and also it's the most catches he's ever ever had in a game mm-hmm. 10 uh so i think he had nine but one one game last year but uh, 10 was the most so a career day for him and a great time to have it when uh, really uh, there wasn't anything going right for the vikings on offense at that time and he as you said david very true he provided the spark that first touchdown just kind of got things going and a lot of it was all kg osborne so good to see and i think if you know and you kind of wonder like where has this guy been all year? I know, all season. Well, partly yeah like partly it's because he's they're not throwing on the ball and sometimes he's a third or fourth option on a route especially since they got tj hawkinson but if if he can come anywhere close to what he did at, at that level of play throughout the rest of the year uh i think that's a that's a big help to the vikings offense and that might help uh, or, you know, stem and stop some of these dry spells that we, not some of them, that these dry spells see every single game where it's four or five drives in a row where we go three and out or can't get anything done. If KJ Osborne can play like he did <laughs> last week, and I guess to be fair, if the Vikings are throwing the ball to him <laughs> in well, those instances too and not well ignoring him, earned himself a quasi wide receiver two type role in between the 20s. Adam Thielen's going to, you know, be glued inside the red zones, uh, inside yep. the red zone. And Kirk Love's throwing him to inside the red zone. But he showed a lot. And it wasn't only to Kirk Cousins that he showed in the offense. I saw an interview with Eric Kendricks this week, and I mentioned it on a previous show, where Eric Kendricks watched him play and goes, my God. He's putting everything on the line out there. He's fighting for yards. He's doing this. He's doing that. I need to play that well. And so Kendrick stepped up his game, and it sort of spread. You could see it. It grew amongst the players. And that grabbing of momentum that he personally sees um, was infectious. And the crowd started to get into it, and we scored, and we scored, and you were off doing whatever you were doing because you weren't watching the game at that point. <laughs> so everybody could feel it coming up and going, hey, we might be able to do this. And then they scored again. It's like, oh, yeah, all we need is two more. And it, and it yeah. kept going, and it all started with Osborne. So I think it's awesome. And yes, I apologize. We talked about having Rager take more snaps from him. After last week, we saw why Rager is not the the premier wide receiver everybody had hoped he would be. Uh, we get nervous. He's decent at punt returns, but he can't catch a pass over 20 yards worth a damn. I think the stat was he's caught in eight out of 27 or something like that over 20 yards. Makes me wonder about his eyesight. But on the drop ball, or not the drop ball, the one where he was deep, he cut his route yeah. short. And it was just like, why are you stopping? Kirk's throwing. He sees you there. He expects you to be over there. He's throwing to that point over there, and you stop. And that's what got that interception. Both of Kirk's interceptions on Saturday were because of Rager. They didn't get charged to Kirk. Because it was Rager screw-ups. It, it's just... Yeah, I, two targets, two interceptions. That's not a way to earn yourself more playing time. And I, I saw something today where he's not going to be returning punts tomorrow as well. Like maybe Jalen Naylor is doing that. I'm not sure if that was... A, I, I saw a comment on that. It might be Drew. Uh, somebody else might 
might have uh, heard something different on that. But uh, but yeah, uh, Rager is not going to be taking uh, those 10 to 15 snaps I was suggesting he takes from KJ Osborne uh, tomorrow or maybe any game uh, <laughs> with, the, with what happened for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that moves us into the next segment. We move from KJ Osborne to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, we do, and uh, we're bringing it up because uh, Kevin O'Connell is very mad. Uh, he's mad as hell, and he's not going to take can't not taking it anymore. Uh, he went public this week with uh, his concerns about the number of hits that J- Justin Jefferson has been taking. Uh, he thinks that um, opposing defenders are uh, targeting Jefferson with dirty and illegal hits. And so he brought that up unprompted uh, a couple of uh, times this week. And, um, and you know, that's uh, you can argue, is that actually happening or not? Oh, it sure um, looks like it. When, one thing to keep in mind is that Justin Jefferson has played eight over 880 snaps uh, this year. Uh, that's the most in the NFL among wide receivers. He's run the most routes of any NFL wide receiver. He's been targeted the most of any of any NFL wide receiver with 158. So he's on the field a lot. He's getting thrown the ball a lot. You're going to take some hits. Uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. However, uh, he has taken some vicious, vicious hits uh, in uh, quite a few games recently. It wasn't just in that uh, Colts game. I can think of the, the Patriot game, uh, games before that, where he, he's taken some some shots. And um, I like, uh, whether you think, as, as Vikings fans or if you're outside, whether you think Jefferson is being targeted or not. I like what O'Connell has done here, going public about about this. One reason I like it is because it, it shows to the player, Justin Jefferson, that hey, I see this. I'm going to protect you. Uh, I'm I'm going to find a way to make things a bit easier for you and protect not only your health but uh, also your earning potential. Because uh, uh, next year, Justin Jefferson is going to make a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not going to make it if he gets a serious, serious head injury or some other injury from a, from a dirty, illegal hit. And so uh, I think it's always good for Kevin O'Connell to say, I'm looking out for my players. I got your back. And in this case, he's done that by publicly saying, cannot stand. Uh, I also, what I'm seeing anyway, uh, where players, opposing players seem to be targeting Justin Jefferson, one of the best players in the NFL. I also like it from the fact that going public, this puts officiating crews in the NFL on notice. Kevin O'Connell is letting them know, hey guys, again, this is one of the best players in the NFL. He's a superstar. People want to watch him uh, play. They don't want to watch him get hurt on dirty illegal hits. You guys got to look out for this. So uh, not that they haven't thrown flags on on some of these hits, but they have that some, but not all of them. But I think that that getting that into the officiating crew's minds that Kevin O'Connell's noticing something and he wants something about it, that might get a few extra flags thrown, even on questionable hits to Justin Jefferson. Uh, those are good because uh, we don't want to see Justin Jefferson get hit illegally, but 15-yard uh, flags help prolong offensive drives for the Vikings. So right, uh, a little bit extra laundry. They've, they've Some of the hits have been flagged for 15 yards. What mm-hmm. O'Connell's bringing up is that it looks malicious and it's starting to look malicious. Mm-hmm. The one, especially against the Colts, looked very malicious and sort of like the Saints did on Bounty Gate. Now, if it turns out to be, yes, get the 15-yard flag, then said player gets a nice fine from the NFL, right, for their bad, unsportsmanlike play, sure. But does it get to the point, or should it get to the point, where if something like that is seen again, the NFL should take the step and eject that player. It generally takes two personal fouls to eject, I believe. They can't do it on one. But I would immediately, besides roughing the, uh, you know, the unprotected wide receiver um, to 15 yards, first warning, uh, personal foul, second one, you're done. And they can do that tomorrow. 
Yeah, somebody uh, just made a comment about well, Hitman's been ejected from games for yes. similar hits or not yes, even as bad hits. So, uh, so it, that is something that, yeah, again, getting this out in public and not staying quiet about it and uh, saying, hey, we noticed something, ref, NFL officiating ref, crews, you got to do something about it. That can, I think that can make a difference, at least make the refs look extra close at these hits. Uh, the other thing, I, the third thing I like about going public about this is the potential impact it can have on the players <laughs> the opposing defensive players who are going mm-hmm. to be doing the hitting uh their job one of their jobs is to hit opposing offensive players with vicious force uh and uh, yeah, make them think about it but if below the but head if they're, above the yeah knees. yeah it's a fast game sometimes you think you're hitting below the head and it doesn't end up being that way but if if they if the op- opposing defensive players say they, they, you know, they read stuff too. If they're like uh, O'Connell's making a stink about this, the ref, we know the refs are going to start looking at this because they want to protect offensive players. They want to see more offense. I got to be careful about anything I do to Justin Jefferson right now. That could be like a pretty significant uh, advantage. Um, advantage for the Vikings offense and for Justin Jefferson. Not only does it mean that they don't want to, the opposing players don't want to give up 15 yard penalties that could cost their team the game. They there don't want to get that. Uh, Clifford says he yeah. was fine. They don't want to get fined. They don't want to get thrown out of the game. Another thing that could cost their team games. So maybe they're going to be a little bit more reluctant to to hit Justin Jefferson. Maybe they give him a little bit more space. Maybe they ease up on the hits. So not maybe only does they that tackle lessen, properly, break down, yeah, that's right. tackle, you know, hitting body. Um, so not only does that lessen the chances of Justin Jefferson getting hurt, and I don't know about you, David, but my heart went into my stomach when he was in the first half when he got was down with his head in there. I'm like, mm-hmm. what else could go wrong in, the, <laughs> in this game? Like the, the Vikings cannot afford to have Jeff- Justin Jefferson out for a quarter, let alone a game or multiple games. So, uh, so lessen the chance of injuries. Also, give him more breathing room. Maybe he gets more yards after the catch. Like you say, guys don't wrap up quite the same. He, he turns a 10-yard to a 30-yard gain or a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a good move by Kevin O'Connell to bring this up and publicly make it known that he's concerned about this and thinks something needs to be done about it. I agree 100%. And that brings us to the next portion, the special teams. And you notice the here I'm showing special teams. coverage unit. Yes. Well, Dave... Kevin O'Connell, yeah, he, he talks about like winning on the margins all the time. Uh, and um, special teams is one of those things where it's not a little thing. It's one of the three units, but they're on the field all less than, way less than the offense or defense is. Uh, but winning on the margins means doing little things, things that look little, doing them well at the right times, uh, doing things that seem underappreciated, maybe not noticed, and focusing on them and doing them well. But right now, the special teams has become a liability for the Vikings right now. Early in the year, the main problem was uh, the special teams was doing pretty well, uh, but the main problem was Greg Joseph. Uh, He was missing a lot of 50-yard field goals. We know he's missed five extra, extra points. But he's kind of righted the ship a bit. Mind you, he's not kicked only, I think he's only kicked one 50 yard field goal since right. in, in a while. Uh, but anyway, it. he's making his kicks. He's making his kicks. Uh, so he's he seems to have settled things down. But now the rest of the Vikings special teams are, and Matt Daniels' group, group are failing in other areas, uh, particularly kickoff coverage, like you're showing. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we saw it last week. Last week was as bad as it gets. Block hey, when you give up the uh, opening kickoff and it goes back 48 yards, there's yeah. a problem. Somebody missed their assignment. Somebody broke out of their lane. It's, I think it was more than one guy there. Well, it very uh, well was, could be. Mm-hmm. But that was a the 48-yarder, and they gave up a 49-yarder later on in the game. The block punt gets returned. Uh, the, they call the fake field goal. Uh, Ryan Wright sails it. Uh, so uh, that was bad, but that's not been – that's just that's not just a one game thing, uh, you know. There's been problems, particularly in kickoff coverage, uh, in in the past few weeks. You know, you remember uh, that in the Patriots game, they gave up you know forty yard plus. Um, I'm just trying to look look through here, but. Um, you know, they gave up that fake field goal to Detroit at a key right. point in the game. They they looked like they got a stop. 
everybody knows Detroit runs a, a whole crap load of fake field goals. You should be looking for that. We were looking to block the punt, and 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 we got completely fooled, and they got a big. Uh, gain 43 yard gain and they scored a touchdown after that so that was a key point they gave up a 46 yard kickoff return two weeks earlier against the patriots 43 yard kickoff return against buffalo before that they've had a couple of field goals blocks so uh it's an issue you're playing last week and it's just so so when, when you're playing close games every play matters and you can't be having these screw ups and matt daniels has to find a way to secure things one thing i'd like to see particularly on the kickoff coverages, uh, other teams do it to us with Kenny Wangwu. They kick like to kick into a corner uh, right. so that Kenny Wangwu only has like, he only has half of a, a, field, a field to work with. To work with. We don't do that very often. I don't know whether Matt Daniels is concerned about kicking out of bounds and then we give the ball back to the 45 yard line to the teams or whatever. But I think that's one thing that we could do to lessen the, kickoff coverage mistakes that are happening because eventually uh, as the green bay packers found out last year if you've got poor special teams it's going to cost you a game at some point in time and i don't want that to happen in the playoffs like it did last year with that team from wisconsin well if i mean at the beginning of the year we were all so happy that he was putting it inside to five and getting the return and then the coverage team was stopping him Yes. You know, around the 19 and 20 yard line. So that was a net positive. Well, and then suddenly we're now giving up big yardage. And the the way to solve that is blast it through the end zone. Then it's automatic, bring the ball out to the 25. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It, it's, it's interesting to see because we all love Matt Daniels. We love hearing him talk in press conferences. We think this kid is going to be a, a head coach someday. He's got that it factor and everything seemed to be working. You know, the first half of the year is working great, except for Joseph was missing. Now Joseph is back on track and the coverage teams are off track. And yeah. it's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. We got to put all this together starting now, get it all together as we roll into the playoffs. Cause we want everything offense, defense, and special teams firing on all cylinders as we roll into January. And we could use it starting tomorrow. Yep, that's right. Yeah, because you don't want to be making, uh, particularly on offense for a Giants offense that's not that good. Again, you don't want to be doing like you did last week on that first kickoff to the the Colts and make it easy for the offense. They've only got to get 20 yards to get in field goal range at the very least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and the defense, you know, held them there. But that's, yeah, uh, it's, it's gotten frustrating and it, wasn't as much, and it wasn't as much in the beginning, even though Joseph was missing kicks, didn't cost us anything. The coverage and the full pause there can cost us. Uh, that is a big deal. Uh, Davey the wedge is illegal. You can't do it. Um, that is why they took it out. All right, that brings us to the end of theme two, which means beer talk. Beer talk. Uh, Lake Monster right now is relatively quiet. They do have a brand new uh, Belgian Pale Ale on tap for the goblets. Other than that, everything is exactly the same. They've got tons of stuff there. If you want to have a good time, especially after the game tomorrow, slide on over, head across the river to St. Paul, and enjoy some great time after the game to celebrate the wind. The wind. And the wind in uh, lovely St. Paul. And guys, we know we feel for you up there. I know it's cold as all get out. You guys are dealing with wicked wind chills. So uh, stay warm, stay safe, and uh, warm yourself up with a hot ap- apple cider ale. They're pretty good. Mm-hmm. That brings us to theme three game preview time. You got it. The Vikings versus the Giants at U.S. Bank Stadium, and it is the whiteout game. Got the white Norseman up there and everything, Dave. Yep, they got the, and they got the white Norseman in the middle of the field. They've got the end zones painted white with purple stripes around. Hopefully that won't confuse our favorite zebras tomorrow. 
Um, yeah. It should be fun. Everybody is instructed to wear all white, as much white as possible. And uh, let's see. It should be fun. They do it in college. Penn State's notorious for it. So let's see how this goes. Uh, from what I understand, the history of it, it started up in Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> With uh, the hockey team up there, they started yep. first out. And uh, Jets Jets did it you know, in the nineties when mm-hmm. Timo Solani was playing for them. They'd do that. Yep. All right. Now here's the point where we go through the numbers real quick, and we will go through them quickly. When it comes to Vikings offense, PFF has them ranked power rank of ninth, top ten offense. They have the Giants defense at thirty second out of thirty two teams. They do not like, yeah, they do not like the Giants defense. That's PFF. Now we get to football outsiders. Football outsiders hate the Vikings this season. Uh, There's sort of a reason why. (laughs) They have dropped to 20th overall on offense, 17 pass, 22 run. The defense for the Giants is 29th, 24th pass, 31st run. They're bad too. Now, the reason football outsiders does not like the Vikings offense how the DVOA algorithm works is if you are behind and you are coming back, they consider that garbage time, and they don't count that. Until you're within a certain amount of points, none of that gets computed. So when <clears throat> during the comeback last week, all but maybe the last couple drives weren't counted towards their DVA. So when Kirk Cousins has 400-plus yards passing, and it's not all on him. I mean, you had a screen pass to Dalvin Cook that went for forever and stuff like that. The yards that the receivers get, yards after catch, whether it be Dalvin Cook on the screen or J.J. or K.J. Osborne, who had a fantastic game, all that, even those those are big numbers that don't necessarily go to the quarterback, Um. But this is why they hate us this year, because what, 10 games we've had to come back from? So all that comeback time, they're not counting. So their algorithm is bullshit in this situation because of the way it works. So keep that in mind, folks, when you look at it and go, what, they're disrespecting us. Yeah, they are, but it's part of the algorithm. And it's, uh, they may need to... You know, relook at it because the Vikings is the exception to the norm. Normally, that works perfect. Teams that get behind start throwing garbage time stuff. We've seen it with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins for years, right? And it never meant anything because they'd never get close enough to win. Well, the Vikings have come back so many times. What is it, seven times now this season? Ten times one score game? No, eight, nine times one score game. And it's just, it's, that's the way it's going to work. So we got to live with it. When it comes to Elias Sports Bureau, they have the Vikings offense 13th in yards. Not bad. Seventh in passing. Not bad. There you see Kirk Cousins factor in a lot better than football outsiders. They've got us 28th in rushing. That went down a bit. Uh, they have us eighth in points, top 10 in points. Uh, we've given up 41 sacks. We're 14th with turnovers, given up seventh. The Giants, on the other hand, their defense is 27th in yards, 16th against the pass, 30th in rushing, 15th in points, middle of the road. They've uh, 18th on sacks, giving up 32, or they 18th in sacks, getting 32. They have a plus four differential, and they have uh, 18th with 17 takeaways. The line this week is Vikings favored by four and the over-under of 48 and a half. Yes, Brian, those are bad rankings for two playoff teams. You got that right. And it shows that there's uh, possible errors in the algorithms and things need to be fine-tuned. It's just the way it is. Darren, are you a zombie? That's what uh, Trevor says. I don't know. must be... Not sure what that means, but I can attest that I'm alive. Uh huh. I can't do. Now we flip it to the other side. Vikings defense. PFF has us dropping power rank of 17th. The Giants offense power ranking of 15th. I don't think it's that good, but it's only good for one reason. Um, 
Football Outsiders has our defense dropping the 19th, 27th against pass, 15th against run. Giants offense, 14th overall, 10th against the pass, 10th against the run. Now here's where we're going to start to see some bigger differences. All right, for yards, defense, giving up. Elias Sports Bureau has us down to 32 out of 32 teams. Having five games, giving up over 400 yards each game does not help you on your ranking when you're talking just numbers and total yards. Passing, they have us 31st. Rushing 18th, points 28th, which is a little rough, but we still keep winning. Vikings are 17th in sacks with 33, the defense. They're 8th in turnovers with a plus 4 differential, and they have 8th. They're eighth and with 21 takeaways on the defensive side of the ball. Yards-wise for the Giants' offense, they rank 22nd. Their passing ranks 28th. Rushing 6th. We'll get into why Barkley has a big deal with that, but he's not the only one. And uh, points, they're 21st. Not good. They've given up 44 sacks, and they are first with the least amount of take, uh, turnovers in the league at 13. Moving on, that brings us to wonderful special teams, which we just talked about earlier. Vikings are down to 30th. Got to get that fixed there, Mr. Matt Daniels. Um, it is what it is, and the Giants are at 17th. Uh, the Giants have a very, very good field goal kicker. He hardly misses at all. Next, injury reports. Vikings are questionable on all their players from Dancer with an ankle, Harrison Phillips with some something or other. Garrett Bradbury had his back retweaked to the uh, accident earlier in the week. He most likely, I will bet, will be out. I suspect the same. Dancer may not, but Dancer will probably not be starting. Um, Daniil Hunter with a tweaked neck. We all love to <laughs> that. Um, yeah. And then Patrick Jones. I did not see what he was dinged up for, but he was dinged up all I didn't see what he was dinged up for last week either when he was a surprise uh, scratch to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway. Um, and the Giants have two players that are out. Andori Jackson, who's a starter at corner. And third string guard Shane Lemieux, which sounds like he should be playing for the Canadiens. Indeed, mm -hmm. I'd, uh, I'd, I was. I was also had noticed that Dexter Lawrence was on there was questionable, the, but he, he's clearly playing. But uh, it would have been nice to see him out as well. But uh, yeah, no I dice. This morning didn't see him on the list. So <laughs> um, <clears throat> that brings us. To the game itself, and the first person you wanted to talk about was Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, there's a couple of guys I wanted to talk about. If if uh, if uh, folks were watching the Washington uh, Giants game on Sunday night, um, they would have uh, noticed this guy Kayvon Thibodeau was all over the field, creating a lot, a lot of problems for the Washington Commanders' offensive line. Uh, he had that sack, strip sack, recovered the fumble. That kind of turned the game uh, for the Giants, and they didn't look back after that. And it hasn't really been a very good uh, – this guy's a number five overall draft pick. Uh, got a ton of talent, but he didn't always uh, play up to his potential at Oregon. And he's had not hasn't really had a great rookie year, uh, only three sacks, but a couple of them have come in the last two games. And he certainly was a – he certainly looked like the number fifth overall pick last week against the Commanders. Uh, so, uh, he's a guy that, uh, he looks like he's starting to come on a bit. He's starting to get it as an outside rushing linebacker in the giants three, four. Uh, so he's got a, he could be a factor if he plays like he did against Washington. I guess the good news is, is that he'll probably be matched up a lot against Christian Derrissaw. And I have pretty, I have faith that Christian Derrissaw can handle Kayvon Thibodeau for the most part, just like he's handled everybody else for the most part this year. However, on the Giants also have this guy named Dexter Lawrence, uh, defensive tackle, and uh, he's right now, uh, he's the number one ranked defensive tackle for pro football focus uh, out of over 100 defensive tackles. 
Uh, he's having a great year uh, in that Washington game. Drew Bunting will attest to this. He was, again, creating a lot of problems. And he's a guy I am not as uh, convinced that uh, Garrett Bradbury or slash Austin Slotman, whoever plays, Ed Ingram in particular, and Ezra Cleveland, if he happened to come across, I'm not convinced that they can handle Dexter Lawrence. Uh, so I have a lot of concerns there. And if Dexter Lawrence is having a great game, and he's had a lot of great games this year, and screw up a lot of things for the Vikings offense, wrecking running plays with penetration um, and creating pre- uh, pass rush pressure up the middle so that Kirk Cousins either is getting pressure up the middle and and has to get rid of the ball quicker than he likes on routes that are taking longer to develop mm-hmm. or Kirk can't step up into the pocket like he like he can't he has been doing well this year uh, to create that extra bit of time and have the time to throw and hit Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen or KJ Osborne on those long on those long plays uh, pass plays so Dexter Lawrence I think uh, how the Vikings if they can neutralize him or at least get to a stalemate with him on the interior. I think that's going to uh, have a large determination in how well the Vikings offense does in this game uh, because the Vikings offense, they, they want to be, they've got to be staying on schedule in this one. Uh, when you get in third and long or second and long, Don Martindale, Wink Martindale, the, the Giants defensive coordinator, we know that for the numbers, they're not a great uh, defense, but, Wink, but yeah, but Martindale, if he gets you in obvious passing situations, he's going to bring more than you can, than you can block. And he's going to ask some questions about your offensive line and your pass protection responsibilities and whether your tight ends and running backs can pick up blitzes. Uh, we have seen that even with getting Der- Chris and Jarrisaw back should help, but we gave up seven sacks last week against the Colts, even with Darisaw back. And we've given up 26 in the past five games. Yeah, and that's why our, our sack total has gone really, really high. Uh, uh, so uh, big questions there to be that need to be asked. The Vikings, again, got to be on schedule. Can't get in third and long too many times. I think they can handle it some of the time. But if it's consistently, then that's exactly what Don Martindale and the Giants defense that's where they want you. <laughs> Why have the defensive uh, and, line gotten so good for the Giants? Well, they Lawrence is a number one pick, you know, a top ten pick. Leonard Williams, they got him from the Jets. He was a you know a high high pick. Came on Thibodeau. What you're talking about, Andre Patterson over Andre there? You Patterson. think he's made a big difference? I was listening to a podcast this week, and they absolutely love what he's done with the defense, the defensive front four. They play those guys. They will move them all over the place. They'll move them from the outside to the inside, inside to the outside. They'll uh, move them side to side so that they can achieve the best matchups, which means strong against weak. Um, Yep. Expect to see that tomorrow. I expect a little extra motivation from Andre because he did not like being fired from the Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, Nobody likes being fired. No. And Andre, uh, from what I gather, he time. thought he should have stayed, but, you know, life moves on. But they credit a lot of how well that defensive line is doing and how it's growing to him. The, um, I think uh, getting back to that and the, the defense versus offensive thing, if the Vikings can give Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, consistently enough time to throw the ball, then the Vikings offense is going to, I think, roll pretty well because uh, the the weakness for the Giants defense, particularly, even though their run defense is, is not very good, as we've seen, when I look at their corners and their back end, I'm not very impressed. And their number one guy, Adoree Jackson, is out tomorrow. But if Darnay, Darnay Holmes and Fabian Moreau and those guys, they can't cover Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen or TJ Hawkinson. And if Kirk Cousins has you know, a, you know, a, a reasonable amount of time to throw, he's going to carve up 
that Giants secondary. Uh, and it would help if the running game, the Vikings running game, and Dalvin Cook, who Dalvin Cook had big splash plays last week against the Colts. Unfortunately, we got so far behind, we couldn't really use the running game as much as we like. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see, it'd be good to see us get the running game going because Cousins had to throw 41 times against the Lions, 54 times last, last week against the Colts. I think that's too much. Um, it worked in the most cases, but uh, I'd like to see the Vikings offense get a bit more balanced and not force him to have to drop back where he's getting pressured a ton <laughs> so you know but you know i think that i'd like to see that i'll get a little bit more balance don't have to throw quite as much uh that might hurt justin jefferson chances of breaking calvin johnson's <laughs> receiving yardage record but uh you know, whatever um so that's the offensive defensive side of things for vikings offense giants defense side of things uh offensively for the giants they kind of remind me a bit of the 2012 Vikings, Dave, in a way, in that mm-hmm. their offense is built around a talented running back, One although guy. Saquon Bartley mm-hmm. Bartley is not having the year that Adrian Peterson had in 2012, but they lean on him a ton. Uh, and they've got, so they've got a uh, talented running back. They've got a, uh, a bunch of no-name wide receivers that nobody's really scared of. They, and they've got a, a former first-round quarterback, a mobile one, who's been a disappointment as a first-rounder and is inaccurate. And they don't ask Daniel Jones, the guy pictured up there, to do a whole lot. They ask him not to lose the game for them, and they rarely ask him to win it. So they, they, that the Giants' offense, again, reminds me a bit about uh, of the 2012 Vikings offense in that way. Um, however, uh, last week, uh, against the uh, the commanders in that game, um, it was really noticeable that uh, the Giants and Jones has taken a lot of sacks, but uh, there was a very they went very very short in the passing game. His uh, he averaged three point eight yards uh, past the line of scrimmage on average depth of his throws, which is extremely short. The longest throw he made was thirteen yards. But it worked. He completed a bunch of those. He kept the Giants' offense on schedule. And the one thing we noticed about the Washington defense is that their corners were way off on the Giants' receivers for some reason, uh, playing what looked like shell coverage. And guess who plays that shell often coverage. as well? Our, our, our Vikings' defense. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, the Jones, of course, like I mentioned about him being mobile, he's actually fifth in the NFL right now as far as rushing yards amongst quarterbacks. He's 583 yards rushing, five TDs. He is a guy that Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, mm-hmm. they'll use design run plays for him to use use his mobility to, to their advantage. And also Jones, because he gets pressured a lot and because maybe his receivers don't get open as much as he would like, he takes off a lot on his own too and creates off schedule plays. So the Vikings have to defense has to be ready for that. And if he does escape and he will at some times, they need to be ready to like when they get near him to try to punch that ball out because Jones has had fumble problems in his career and this year. And I think there could be an opportunity to get him to fumble the ball uh, once or twice and get a turnover that way. But certainly his, certainly his mobility is an issue. And Saquon Barkley is of course the lynch, this offense uh, you had him up there but he's he's not been as effective the past five games uh, he hasn't run for 100 yards even close to 100 yards in any of the past five games uh, 22 yards a few weeks ago we had another 38 39 yard game after that yeah, uh, last I, week against commanders was one of those spin, yeah he's oh yeah so good at yeah. that he is he is dangerous uh, for sure, but he just hasn't been effective. I think he's he's been used a lot. I think he's a little bit banged up, uh, but he did play pretty well in the Commanders game mm-hmm. against a very tough front seven. And late in the second half, really, some of his runs, some of those spinning plays that you mm-hmm. talked about, were really key in that last, particularly that last drive to the Giants salting that game away for them. So he's obviously he's a guy that you got to account for. Um, how the Vikings going to deal with this offense. Again, it's not a great offense by any stretch. They do have Jones and Barkley have their, you know, those are a couple of strong points with the mobility of Jones and Barkley just being Barkley. Um, Last week after one game, Kevin O'Connell talked about like the adjustments needed to be made with the Vikings defense. I don't know. The Colts game, it looked a lot of the same old, same old to me in a lot of ways. The second half, they did blitz 
quite a bit more. Uh, will we see that again? I don't know. One change they did make is that Duke Shelley started for Cameron Dancer. We don't know if that was injury-related or because Donatel and the coaching staff prefer Shelley. Uh, Shelley ended up getting the highest both, defensive. I think it is. Yeah. And I think it's going to be yeah. that way this week, too. Because yeah. Dantzler and his ankle, they're going to say, well, now you'll be, you may be available to play in an emergency, but we're going to have put out Shelley there. And because Shelley played great last week, he was the highest graded he had the, player on the, on the team. And he's had a knack for, I like one thing I like about Shelley is that uh, his, his five, eight size is not something is something that scares me because he's got a big size disadvantage against most of the wide receivers, but he does not, He's not content to just let people catch the ball in front of him. He actually makes plays on the ball, and he's got a lot of pass defenses this year for a guy who hasn't really played a whole lot. So uh, I, I do like his aggressiveness. I like his uh, that he tries to make plays on the ball, and uh, we're as I say, we're, we're going to see more of that <laughs> if he keeps on playing like he has. But um, it, it will be interesting to see if the Vikings do they get a chance to dial up the blitz more? Because last week, Dable, Katfa, Kak, Kak, Mike Kakfa, they made a, a very concerted effort again to throw the ball quickly. Jones would get the ball. One step, the ball was out. Uh, the the Washington Commander's defensive line didn't really get a chance to rush the passer because the ball was out so quickly. Out so quickly, under two seconds, bang. Yeah. And um, and again, the part of that was because they were playing so far off on the wide receivers, and that's what Donatel likes to do. I think what you're going to see is what you see a lot of times: the Giants are going to get the yardage, but the defense it, where it's going to where the Vikings will have to excel and where they have excelled at times is in the red zone, uh, where the you know the throwing windows get tighter. There's not as much real estate for the offense to run, and the Giants wide receivers aren't as good at getting open in tight spaces. So the Vikings limiting the Giants to field goals as opposed to touchdowns, that, that's going to be the key for the defense. We held the Colts to five field goals last game, and and along with all the other stuff that happened in that game, I mean, that's one of the reasons we were able to come back too because uh, we kept the Colts offense from capitalizing on red zone opportunities with touchdowns. We just, they, we limited, limited them to field goals that gave us an opportunity to come back. We'll have to, I think you'll, that's going to be one of the things that's probably, that's going to be the, one of the keys to victory tomorrow against the giants. I think they're going to move the ball on us because everybody seems to, but I don't think that they're going to be able to score touchdowns when they do. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I feel kind of, I feel like I feel that this is going to be the game where we've been calling for multiple, like a multiple score victory for the Vikings. I have a feeling that tomorrow is going to be that game for the Vikings. They, they are, even though these teams are very similar in far as rankings goes in a lot of ways, I just feel that the Vikings tomorrow are going to, they're not, it won't be an easy win, but they're going to come. It's not going to be like a down to the last play heart, uh, heart attack game that we've seen so many times this year. I think you're right. Um, on the, their offense against our defense, I expect to see more of Asamoah. Um, he will, uh, he's getting more and more time. I think Hicks is dealing with a nagging injury. He's obviously slow. Asamoah is working his way in. He's getting better on his reading at uh, the D, uh, of the offense at this speed, and he can close down, especially in those short passes. Short passes are fine if you stop them just immediately. You know, have guys there and mm-hmm. think. Brian Asamoah is a good one. To finish this up, you think the Vikings are going to have a good day tomorrow. Looking at their defensive backfield, it could very well be that Justin Jefferson balls out. They could do that. Or they're horrible against the run, and we could have Dalvin Cook just absolutely go nuts as well. It's a, I'm good with either one. Mm-hmm. So... um yeah, either one works. Brian Dayball, uh, as we talked about, is up for one of the favorites for Coach of the Year. I disagree with that, but he's made something out of very little, so I've got to give him that. Duke Shelley, we talked about, is also doing very well, and he may earn himself a starting position. Warren, I know you love picking on the guards, and I that I love them, but actually uh, Ed Ingram and Cleveland have done better. One of the reasons sacks are up is that we're not getting our ball out as quickly. And that's because 
Coach wants Kirk to hold the ball on for longer developing plays so we can throw down further. When it comes to Ed Ingram, you are seeing rookie growing pains. We expected that. Most linemen don't get it until at least year three, if not four. He is doing respectably. He is not the last guard in the league. He's gotten better over time. His pass blocking grade last week was actually quite respectable. Um, there are tie. It depends on what you're looking for in a line. Also, keep in mind they're changing blocking schemes from last year. So it is a different system. It takes a bit to get on with, but as long as the offense can use it and play, they are getting there. Kirk Cousins is taking that time. He's stepping up, and he's got confidence in what the guys are doing. So even if they do give up that occasional sack, whether it be O'Neal or Darisol or Cleveland, Bradbury, Schlotman, and uh, Ed Ingram, it happens. Now, do I like Ed stepping on Cousins' foot? Hell no. Do I like Three times Ed? this year. Ed oversetting <laughs> too many times? Hell no. But there's other times when he looks brilliant. Just listen to some of the, the line guys um, that evaluate offensive linemen, that played offensive linemen. They like what they see. Yeah, there's mistakes, but they like what they, what they see. Yeah, you're right. We've given up more. But uh, in the long run, what did it end up with this last year? Seven and nine. Where are we now? We're eleven and three. There's a difference. It may be more hits, but it's more better confidence on the offense this season. And we've seen Kirk and that offense perform better than it has in the last however many years you want to take it. Um, so, and I will take that and take those few hits rather than pristine O line play that you're not going to get. You're not going to get it anywhere. It just doesn't happen. Um, so I will take what I can get, and as long as we're 11-3 and three and keep on winning, I'm happy as a clam. Yes, do I wish they play better? Oh, hell yes. Do I wish they'd step up to all pro level? Oh, hell yes. Darisaw got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. I think Ezra got snubbed for the Pro Bowl, at least as, you know, fourth alternate. But that is what it is. And uh, those guys got power. We didn't have that power last year. So I'll take it. And, and yes, David Chains, yes, uh, there was a, and a yes, uh, I did hear that uh, Bradbury apparently uh, tweaked his back in a car accident. And that's partly the reason why I, he's apparently not playing tomorrow. He just, that's, uh, yep. that's aggravated the back injury he already had. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. We talk about helmets and concussions, but there's not really we can do a lot for the back. So, Udo is not 10 times better. Look at the grades from last year to this year. All you're taking is picking out sacks. And compare that with uh, uh, penalties as well. Holdy Udo was called that for a reason. Those are drive-killing <laughs> penalties. Uh-uh. Anyways, that's it. Tomorrow we have white out. We got everybody showing up to the stadium in white. All the fans are supposed to wear white. It's a beautiful day in Minnesota. I'm sure it'll be like 30 below zero. Nice and toasty. Hopefully the New York Giants that came in got there and said, what the hell are we doing here? It's too freaking cold, even in a hotel. And they'll want to leave quickly. It should be fun. The crowd's going to be wild and pumped up. I look forward to watching it on TV. It's live over the air, so I don't have to worry about streaming it on Sunday ticket and being one to two plays behind, which irritates me to no end. But it should be fun. What are you looking forward to tomorrow, Darren? The uh, Giants team, uh, Dave, has uh, quite a bit to play for because if they win, that would uh, go a long way to them getting uh, securing a playoff berth. So you got a motivated team here, uh, a team that's very uh, comfortable in its own skin and how it plays. Uh, and I think that they're going to have a fair bit of confidence going in uh, to 
to a road atmosphere like like at U.S. Bank Stadium just because they look at how the Colts operated last year. I'm really looking to see how the Vikings start in this game in particular, uh, whether they can – the past two games we have not scored on our opening drive, which is something that we did very well uh, all the season. So time to get back on that and uh, and looking at are we going to see some of those younger players like Brian Asamoah play is kevin o'connell going to sit some of his veterans he's talked about limiting their snaps over the final three games i don't think you can do that with what's at stake right now but uh, quite a few things up in the air here in this it game. depends if you if you have any chance to secure first off secure the second seat that's number one priority. yeah mm-hmm. secondly if you can secure the first seed i.e with jalen hurts being hurt and out is there a chance that the Eagles implode? Uh, we've seen that happen before. Could they lose the last three? They lose the last three. We win the last three. We're the number one seed. Everything comes through Minnesota yeah. then. Anything coming to Minnesota is an advantage to the Vikings. That's why we do not want to give up the number two seed because nobody wants to go to San Francisco. Nope. That's, that gives them reason to play. Now, if there's time, if they're blowing out people, which we haven't seen this year since Green Bay, yeah, then start running in the second string, giving guys off. Yeah. Or if we've got it secured up and week 18 means nothing, yeah, I would see at that point. But till then, you're fighting for very, very important playoff positioning. Yes, GMAC Minshew isn't a slouch, especially off the bench. It's going to be interesting for the Eagles. But it's a totally different offense that the, I think they're going to – well, you take you could take away with Minshew in there, take away the running Run. aspect of it completely uh, for the quarterback side of things. I'm sure they'll still do some RPO stuff, but it's a little bit different when you're facing RPO with Jalen Hurts running it than when you got Garden, Garden Minshew running it. I think they'll be much more of a, of a pass – uh, offense. Uh, I think you'll see a bit more passing from them, from him, if you know. Uh, but unless the running game is like completely rolling with with Miles Sanders and the crew, and they don't they don't have to pass very much. They are playing the Commanders though, and that'll be a uh, probably a ugly uh, physical yeah. game. Interdivision. They are always tough. So, mm-hmm. with that, what do we say there, buddy? We say Skull Vikings and. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for, I hope you have a great one with your friends and family, and thanks for tuning in. Skull Vikings, see you tomorrow on The Final Score, live in the final two minutes. Merry Christmas. Check it out. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.